following program is brought to you in living color on NBC. Hey, I'm Tyler. And I'm Katie. You're listening to Nostalgia. The podcast brought to you by finally growing up and becoming an adult and having the house that you want decorated the way that you want. And then your significant other buys a Simpsons arcade machine. And you don't know how to feel about it <laughs> because you attack. love your significant other. And you, you want him or her or them to be happy and to have the things that they want because you have also gotten the things that you want in your life. But then you have to look at the Simpsons arcade machine glowing faintly from your guest room where other people are going to sleep. <laughs> And judge you. It was on clearance, and I refuse to be put on blast like this. Put a pin in that conversation, Kate, because we will. We're going to be playing that Simpsons arcade game in the future. Did you buy this for the episode. podcast? Oh my! I hate my life. No, I bought it. I we're going to talk about how deeply personal that game is to me, and and how much I love it. And then we'll also use it for the podcast. Ironically, when we do record that episode, based on how we have to screen record the episode, even though we own the arcade machine, we're going to be emulating it on my computer in order to record the episode. So we won't even really be using it. I hate my life. So okay. I hate that it's going to glow faintly in our guest room forever. I think we should attach a black light strip around the back to really give the guest room that arcade. So Kate, have Are you... Are putting a black light in our home? That's creepy. <laughs> It'll help me clean. No. So Kate... Unrelated, but kind of because it has to do with cartoons. Have you ever seen? The Rough and Ready Show. No, but I don't think I want to because it doesn't sound nice. Well, Kate, The Rough and Ready Show, pretty much no one has seen it our, that's our age. I have never seen well, it. Well, why are we making me watch it? Because it's the perfect opportunity to talk about Hanna-Barbera oh. spinning themselves out of MGM and into their own television animation studio. Spinning themselves out of control. This Where are their family and is friends? the dawn of televised animation and Rough and Ready. Though it is rough around the edges, it primed a generation and beyond to be ready to watch cartoons that were made specifically for TV. I just made that up. What do you think? Ugh. We last left Hannah and Barbara, right? They were creating Tom and Jerry. They did that for like a really long time. What was it? 27 years or something. And then they were laid off unceremoniously from MGM in 1957. That's business, baby. What happened was MGM shuttered their entire animation division on like short notice. Like basically like a week. They were like, all right, everybody who's been working here since 1930. We out. Beat it. You're all laid off. You know, there's a little bit of nuance to this, but it's partly because theatrical animation was entering its death spiral. And if you watch any number of golden age theatrical cartoons and you like follow them through history up through the decades, by the time you get to the 50s, the 60s, and especially, God forbid, the early 70s, it's just like not good. The quality has gone down. They're like introducing new Looney Tunes characters that no one remembers just because they were like desperate and it was just, it was dying. And there are two big reasons for this death. Number one, animation studios when television was invented, they started leasing their old theatrical cartoons to TV. Mm-hmm. And they had these huge catalogs because they made, you know, a bunch of these cartoons every year. They already made them. They already paid for them. Uh-huh. So if 20 years later, you can make more money sure. licensing them to TV, you thought you would never make more money on this thing. You know, it was a one-time thing that they aired. Yeah, you made a cartoon and then it was like, all right, bye. Yeah, let's make I'm a new one because no one's going to watch it again because okay. we're putting them in theaters. Let's find all those women and make them paint it. Yeah, there was some... We're going to do a Snow White 
white episode, when we do that, you'll hear all about the women who like went blind from the chemicals in the paint. They were really abused. Don't I fetishize just, Disney. Being a woman sucks. We'll go on a tirade at a different time. Just, I want you to just think about it. Everyone who's listening. If you're not thinking about it, you're part of the problem. So... When they realize they have this unexpected new revenue stream of selling their the rights to air their old cartoons on the new medium of television, they get this like free money and they realized they could just do this. They have so many cartoons, there's no need to make new ones anymore because they're gonna make more money basically or as much just leasing the old ones to TV where they'll run in reruns in perpetuity. And the existence of TV in general changed people's attitudes towards theaters, movie theaters. You know, it used to be the only way to see entertainment that was on a screen like that moving pictures was to go to the movie theater. It's a big deal. You watch cartoons, you'd watch the movie, you'd watch the news there, the newsreel. And now that you can get a very similar experience at home, moving pictures on your TV, uh-huh. you don't feel like you need to go to the movies for four hours anymore and see all this spectacle. You could just go see the movie. So there was less desire for theatrical cartoons as well. So it's like a two-pronged reason that the studios, all of them, went in the animation studios had trouble towards the 60s. Regardless of the reason, Hannah and Barbera are out of the job in 1957. They're their final Tom and Jerry short that they worked on was released a year later in 1958 because they had made a bunch and they were, you know, premiering in theaters throughout the, the year and the year after. And now the duo, who are absolutely seasoned animation veterans because they've been doing this so long, they wanted to stay in the business. They wanted to continue animating because that was their thing now for so long. But they knew the writing was on the wall for theatrical animation, obviously, because they were laid off. And they figured we shouldn't just go to a new studio or start a new theatrical animation studio. We need to do something different. They saw that there's a huge potential market in animation made for television. That doesn't exist yet. They're only showing old, you know, Looney Tunes, Mickey Mouse, Tom and Jerry. So they say, well, what if we made cartoons just for TV? There's a desire to watch cartoons on TV. What if we make them for TV? This had not been tried much. There's like one or two things, this thing called Crusader Rabbit that's actually really fascinating, but not much has happened uh, by 1957 in way of animation for TV. Okay. And the main reason was the challenge is the budget. A movie studio was willing and able to invest a lot of money to make a cartoon to air in theaters. But to make them for TV, you need to make a lot more content in a shorter period of time. You're running them much more frequently. You've got a weekly episode. Right. Ten weeks, one episode a week. Right. Lots of content. Right. Lots of movement. Right. we got the mouths. (laughs) <laughs> we are going to get to the Bows movie, yeah. Basically, just you don't have enough money, you don't have enough time, you don't have enough staff, and these are two guys who don't have the resources of MGM. They're just two guys now, you know, so they're trying to start their own studio. So they don't even have the money, even if they could invest that much. Are they just going to pay them less? Capitalism, baby! <laughs> no, they're not. Well, they probably did pay them less, but, <laughs> but what they're really going to do is find a way to stretch their budget, not for the staff's payment, but for just the sheer amount of time that you need to spend making a seven-minute of a cartoon. So they made it worse. They made it way worse. So they're going to start their studio. They flip a coin and to decide whose name comes first, is it going to be Hanna-Barbera or Barbera-Hanna? Well, Barbera-Hanna doesn't even make any sense. Because well, you're not used to hearing it. I'm yeah. sure there's an alt- in the multiverse, there's probably a universe where the only difference is it's called Barbera-Hanna. There's probably a universe in the multiverse where I don't have a Citizens Arcade machine glowing softly in my guest room. So I want to go there. They create HB Enterprises. Later, they rename it Hanna-Barbera Productions and they adopt a style known as limited animation. They didn't create it. A lot of times they get credit for creating it, but a studio called U 
UPA actually created it in 1941. More on that another time. They made like Gerald McBoing Boing. You ever seen that? Gerald McBoing Boing sounds like a horrible nickname you have for a partner. Oh, it's so you're good. Like, yeah, get over here, Gerald McBoing Boing, you and then your whole it, family's horrified. You're going to start calling me Gerald McBoing Boing. He speaks in sound effects. So oh. He like opens his mouth and it's like, oh. boing, 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 and his Absolutely parents are like not. flipping out. They like can't believe it. They need to put a stop to I'm it. Throwing up. But UPA was made up of disgruntled Disney animators who are like treated badly at Disney. So they start UPA and they make cartoons that purposely don't adhere to the super strict realistic rules Disney had. Okay, yeah, they were like, F- you, I'm making Gerald McCoy boy. <laughs> yes, okay. and like, they don't have to have five fingers, you know, like stuff like that. So they created- They got no fingies? Disney had rules. We're way off base here. Disney I'm had so really sorry. specific I had, rules. I got a lot of coffee Caffeinated. So am I. This is, this is crazy. This is supposed <laughs> to be a mini bonus episode. <laughs> it's a real bonus because you got me, you got me wild <laughs> out on this episode. Hannah and Barbera in the late 50s uh-huh. are using the UPA style of limited animation and basically, like you said about the mouths, <laughs> you draw as few frames of animation as you can get away with before people riot and go, this is not a cartoon, it's a still image. Okay. So some of the tricks, characters don't move as often. They'll stand still and speak. <laughs> the backgrounds do the famous repeating thing, you know? So oh, if like someone's going to run... when they yes. run through the mansion. Have and Barbera. Yeah. Repeat it back. That's them. That's them doing it. Yeah. So you just repeat the background. So you only have to paint one background, you know? You design characters. This is one of the best things about it to look for so that you can move different parts of them separately without redrawing the whole character. So that's why almost every Hanna-Barbera character has some sort of stubble around their mouth so they don't have to redraw the head they can just draw a new mouth over the stubble some sort of collar Fred Flintstone's uh, you know tunic so Fred's you, ascot so you only Fred's ascot Yogi Velma's Bear's tie so you only milk. have to draw their head every time they change their head position I thought this was supposed to be short we need to do a limited podcasting for this episode <laughs> you limit how many frames you have to draw so you can make more content less time for less money and the very first cartoon they created for TV under this new enterprise is called The Rough and Ready Show and I love that they did this. It's about a dog and a cat who are friends. It would have been so easy for them to just do another antagonistic animals thing like Tom and Jerry. Mm -hmm. But they didn't. Because it seems like that would have been safer. They made them friends. And I'm excited to see how this works. It ran on NBC for three seasons from December 14th, 1957 to April 2nd, 1960. There are 156 individual little mini episodes, but they would put three of those in each full episode and split them up like throughout. So it's like a little cliffhanger, some other content. And so there's 52 total episodes of the show with those 156 segments. It aired on Saturday mornings. And because it's pretty much the first TV cartoon, it kind of created the idea of Saturday morning cartoons, at least new for TV. TV, uh-huh. not old theatrical ones. And, you know, Hanna-Barbera would go on to dominate the Saturday morning cartoon yeah, market they were for decades. Like 687 because it was so cheap. Minute. So yeah. you tune into an episode, right? Yeah. There'd be three shorts, but they're serial. They're serialized. So... I love cereal. They're serialized and they're like three minute segments. They're super short, but you get three per episode. But that only makes up half of a 30 minute block, right? Mm -hmm. So the rest of the episode, this I find fascinating. It's really old TV style. The local NBC affiliate would be responsible for providing the other part of the programming. So wherever you lived, your version of the Rough and Ready show might have a different live action host. Like your local weirdo TV children's host. So it might be be hosted like by a nun. Correct. A nun, a pirate, a cowgirl, like any of that stuff. And they'd mix in like skits from the host. They'd mix in other old theatrical cartoons, whatever they had to do to stretch mm-hmm. this to half an hour with the three, four, three or four minute rough and ready segments they got. Got it. It's like a proof of concept for TV animation. They weren't ready to do a full half hour yet, but they were able to do, you know, 12 minutes per week. And another interesting detail about this is that they have story arcs. 
each segment is part of a bigger narrative per episode, but those three segments might be part of like a 13 segment story arc. So you had to watch every week to see Rough and Ready's whole storyline for, you know, for 12 or 13 of these mini episodes over several weeks, which I think is pretty cool. To me, that goes counter against the later wisdom of Hanna-Barbera, which is make these episodes self-contained so they can air in any configuration, Mm. anytime. You know, this is totally different for the first thing that they did. Okay, so what I want to show you real quick is a quick snippet of the Boston area host, Captain Bob. Here's his version of Rough and Ready. I don't trust anyone named Captain Bob. You know, Captain Bob, I've just been thinking. Thinking what, Mr. Answer? If Jasper escapes, and I hope he does, he'll be a lot smaller than Gramps when he returns, and none of his clothes will fit him. What'll we do? Oh, Mr. Answer, we'll just have to hire a tailor to take care of that problem, but the big problem is to get Jasper back and in one piece. Oh, mates, by the way, this portion of Rough and Ready is brought to you by... By... By who, Gramps? Who is it brought to us by? Wait, Captain Bob, I'm so excited, I forgot, Mr. Ancho, who? NBC, National Broadcasting Company. I don't know why people these days are complaining about kids' attention spans, because (laughs) kids' attention spans in the 60s were also (laughs) Just ask our parents. And they were breathing in that leaded gasoline, so it's even worse. It is the most Boston-sounding man I've ever heard. He's like, March 9th, 1963. John F. Kennedy is the host of this minutes before his death. Yeah, he literally, he, he's already dead. 1960? Oh, no, he, no he, I thought he said 1963. No. It's John F. Kennedy's ghost. <laughs> and then we got like a lot of gray screen here. I think we're seeing the entire oh. like tape that they had. That may, that part might not. Okay, be got it. Sorry. All right. Do you ever feel nostalgic for times you weren't in, like when you see this old NBC logo? No, I don't. Love it. I don't have that thing. Okay, so this NBC affiliate, the scene opens with a little cardboard boy on a boat being chased by a cardboard cat. And it's like very clearly cardboard on a popsicle stick and people are holding it up. And the boy is begging Captain Bob for help. Captain Bob's not going to help. Captain Bob's got to steer the ship. Fruit stripe gum is literally the worst thing ever to eat. It's disgusting. I guess, right, during these NBC-created, like, local affiliate-created uh-huh. segments, like, there's also a story that you can be following, right? Mm-hmm. So Captain Bob's like, Jasper's been shrunk down to be so tiny, and we're going to have to go find him. That's what he sounds like. Oh, and then he has to pause from saving yeah. Jasper to show us another Fruit Stripe Gum yeah. commercial, the second one in the first three minutes of so, this episode. here's a question. Mm-hmm. How do I go back in time and become... Oh, you'd be great at this. A game. local NBC what would your, affiliate what would you host. Be? What would your character be? Would you be a, a nun? Would you be... I think I would go like Sven Gulli, you know? <laughs> I think I would be like a horror host for children. I love that this is very you. When you thought you're you, Katie, are going to be a horror host, you said Sven Gulli and not Elvira. <laughs> Which just doesn't seem to be appropriate to be Elvira and be a children's host, you know? You can mess those kids up for a long time. <laughs> All right, so Mr. Answer is like this very plasticine-type box. He's the worst puppet I've puppet. ever seen. His mouth, like, just pushes outward. <laughs> it doesn't, like, open and close. This is just a good side note. We already did Pee-wee's Playhouse years ago, but, like, this is the kind of stuff that Paul Rubens watched yes. as a child. This is very... And made him make this. Yeah, now. it's like proto-Pee-wee. Yeah, this is what children's hosts were like. All right. I I gotta go back in time and do this. <laughs> I, please do. Here's Rough and Ready, but we're gonna go watch isolated clips. You don't have to watch it through the sheen of Boston NBC affiliates. Yeah, 
head so, covered th- in Samuel Adams beer <laughs> and, and salt water. What did you think of Captain Bob? Uh, Captain or should Bob. I say, how would you even say the words Captain Bob with a Boston accent? Captain Bob! No, not like that. <laughs> <It's bad laughs> it was like the Western. Oh, yeah, what did you think of Cap- old Captain Bob? Uh, I would not want to go with Captain Bob to a second location. I, I'm scared of him. <laughs> Especially at sea. Yeah. You're, you're being buried at sea. Okay, here's what we're going to watch. I've picked three, three. consecutive. Okay, they're three minutes long. This oh, is the shortest amount of content you have ever watched. My phone's poisoning my mind. I don't have three <laughs> minutes. attention span is... We're going to watch, ready? The 14th, 15th, and 16th segments from the first season. They are titled Pinky the Pint-Sized Pachyderm, Last Trip of a Ghost Ship, and the Irate Pirate. I hate that title because it doesn't rhyme, but it looks like it should rhyme. These are the first three segments of the second story arc they did. So in the first 13 segments of this show, they went to space, and now they're doing a whole different thing. The way these aired, the first two of these aired in the fifth episode of season one, January 11th, 1958, and this third one was held over till the next, you know, because cliffhanger. The sixth episode of the show, which aired on January 18th, 1958, and this storyline went on for 10 more of these little segments. Oh my we God. We are just going to watch the first three. Mm. Thanks for saving me. Oh, that's okay. Some folks save stamps, and we save elephants. Don't worry, Pinky. We'll help you find your mom. Won't we ready? Uh-huh. You promise? Scout's honor. So this circus is leaving town. This nice narrator is like, Oh, all these circus animals are tired from performing. They're not abused at all. Everything's fine. See how they're just sliding animation yeah. cells around? It's a miracle you can't see like a finger on it pulling it up. It's just so interesting because they know how to animate. It's not that they are unskilled. They made Tom and Jerry. We just saw how beautiful it was last last episode. This is a choice. So Pinky, this poor little abused circus elephant is like, I miss my mom. And he's going home to his mom. But I'm sucking up those peanuts though. I love that the stuff that moves is like very clearly a different color. Ruff the cat is real cute though. <laughs> Look how cute he is. Oh no. We don't call it the dark color. Continent anymore, we right? don't call it the Dark Continent anymore. Oh no, we also don't name our ship the Voodoo Queen. Look, that was one whole mini episode already. It was, it was already a minute too long. <laughs> let me tell you. Okay, Pinky, we were scared of a silly parrot. How silly, eh? Take that! Take that! And look, these are only three minutes long, and they spend some time recapping what happened in the last Gotta one. Gotta do it. I like it. Pinky's little arms and legs are so cute. Pinky the elephant. The narrator is doing a lot of heavy lifting. It kind of makes me think of, like, serialized radio drama. Did you see Reddy's head move with no in-between animation frames? <laughs> who dat? When I said who dat? Rupp's whole head just turned around like the exorcist because he got scared by something behind him, and he just goes, who dat? So... Another clip. Nothing happened in that one. No, nothing. They, they wandered around a... <laughs> insensitively named boat and then the ship took off for the dark continent which is not a great term for africa that one was the end of a normal weekly episode and then you had to wait till next saturday to get this recap the whole thing right and deal with captain bob introing it for 10 minutes captain bob's just like freely drinking from a bag When I leave my cartoons, oh, boys and girls, oh, it's not been a good weekend for Captain Bob. Captain Bob was having his own Boston tea party, if you know what I mean. The tea was a Sam Adams. Did your dad have a Boston tea party? Puff and Reddy are on their way to Africa aboard the Voodoo Queen to help their new friend Pinky find his mother. But where's the crew? You who? Anybody on the Voodoo? All they found was a picture of Crossbones Jones. But there's more to this than meets the eye. Reddy is determined to find the evil-eyed captain. 
Come on out and fight like a man, Mr. Bones. They've met Crossbones Jones. He's just a tiny little dude. And he's like, well, we're going to China instead of Africa. Picky the pachyderm, as the narrator said, swabbing and sobbing, mopping with his own tears because he's so sad. I like that parrot's energy. <laughs> Crossbones Jones is openly firing his guns. Two guns. He's got a gun in each hand. And he's firing them at all these cute little characters. It's working. The key is mowing. Yes, the key is moving inch by inch. If Pinky can get that key, maybe he'll see his mother after all. But if the key falls and wakes Crossbones Jones, they're goners. Will Pinky's plan pan out? Well, we'll see. Don't miss the next episode of Rough and Ready, called Dynamite Fright, right? Are you dying to see the conclusion? The other Truly, ten? I am not. I'm glad we didn't make it to Africa in these shorts because I'm concerned about what it would look like there. This was dumb. It was not that fun. I liked Captain Bob. I'm also scared of Captain Bob in the way that most kids, I feel like, when they find something they like, they're also a little bit scared of it. But forget Captain Bob for a minute because oh. that's that's all local dependent. It's the rough and ready themselves that... No. He made no for me. That's a two thumbs down. Uh, Yeah, it was fine. It's very of its time. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's very limited animation. I think they they got a little better, perhaps, at making their limited animation look less bad with time. But this is, you know, it's the beginning. It's this one for sure is more important than good and worth watching. But interesting. I don't think I could even don't waste your time. Even me, a big soft animation fan, nerd, bleeding heart. I couldn't watch one of these whole story arcs. It's it's painful. And this is coming from some somebody who's seen every episode of Dragon Ball Z, which does the same thing, but it is painful to see the recaps so frequently, which should be probably 10 minutes of content gets stretched into, you know, about a half an hour and half of its recap. Anyway, important, good to see. We'll have some more Hanna-Barbera in our future. They come up periodically in the uh, our list. I sat down and did Yikes. basically the whole year of 2022. Oh, God. And uh, it's, all, it's all planned out. <laughs> It's all planned out. So, Kate, thanks for watching Rough and Ready. Listeners, thank you for tuning into two episodes this week. I hope you enjoyed some more info about old Hannah and, and Barbara there. That's it. Bye. Remember, kids, we, Rough and Ready, are brought to you by Post, the cereals that are just a little bit better. <laughs>